We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order, cashback guru, low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Hey, yo, what's up, everybody? It's me, Joe Pizzafia, and this is the Rotowire DFS podcast sponsored by FanDuel. It's Friday. We're having some fun. It's December. The holidays are here, and no better time to win some extra cash than for the holidays. So, uh, of course, there's nobody I'd rather have with me on a Friday to talk DFS, to talk a little FanDuel, than Johnny McKex. John McKechnie, how the hell are you, buddy? Doing great, man. Feels good to be uh, back in the back in the studio, back in the Madison office. So I, I'm pumped, and uh, I got a feeling that you got an extra layer of like laser focus for today's show. I, I know that there's a certain contest that you're a little bit excited about. This there week. is, there is. I'm not gonna lie. Now I almost don't want to talk about it because I don't want more people in it. However, uh, it's a fifteen thousand dollar Nature Boy. Fan you want to beat the man? You got to beat the man. That's what it is, John. Okay. You gotta be the man. You gotta beat the man. You see, I've been playing FanDuel since before you were born, okay? I've been playing out here and all these other guys, they wanna throw their bankrolls around, but they don't know nothing. Okay? I got all kinds of girls putting lineups in for me. I got everything. But yes, it, uh, the first place in this Nature Boy FanDuel Mania tournament, which I got an email for, is the only reason I know about it, and I, I'm in it, and it's fun. Uh, it, the winner gets a $1,500 and an autographed championship belt. Honestly, I, I want the money too, but I just want the belt. And I don't know why there's not more things like this. I mean, I if this was multi-entry, I might have spent everything in my account. <laughs> yeah hell yeah because, i mean that belt that belt means more than the 1500 for oh, sure yeah like the rick flair belt you get to i mean like when would you even take that take that off like you probably wear that to christmas dinner uh, absolutely i'm wearing it all the time i'm gonna wear it when i drop my kids off at school i'm gonna you know wear it to you know dentist appointment i'm just gonna wear it everywhere it's just you know i mean i don't know how one doesn't but i digress we're we're here not just to talk about rick flair and how awesome he is but We'll uh, talk about some FanDuel as well. 
It's Sunday, a Thursday game that I'm sure was mind-blowing for a lot of people coming it, off where – It made no sense. God, I, mean, I was mad about that. I don't know how the Redskins could go into Seattle and beat the Seahawks and then lose <laughs> – Dallas Cowboys. I, I don't know. I mean, this is we're in the upside down. It's official. We're now in the upside down. Forget Stranger Things. This is it. 2017 NFL. That's yeah. where we're at. So let's start with the quarterbacks. Tom Brady's still dealing with the Achilles injury, but it's Tom Brady. So all intents and purposes, we expect him to be fine and to play. Whatever it was, it certainly didn't bother him last year. Uh, last week, I should say. Um, so he will be limited in practice probably most of the year. So you're going to keep seeing that he's 9,300 big drop off, almost a thousand dollar difference then to Russell Wilson at home against the Seahawks, which let's start with him for a second. Do you think that this is not giving Russell Wilson enough respect, giving the Eagles too much respect or appropriate respect all around? It's interesting that, that he's the second quarterback and he's $1,100 cheaper than, than Brady. I think, that's kind of what, what stands out to me. I think, you know, anywhere between 82 and 8,600 is probably where you want Wilson. But I think this does boil down to Philadelphia maybe getting a little bit too much respect on the defensive end. You know, this is a, a Seattle team that's going to be at home going against a Philadelphia team that if there is one sort of weakness to it, it is in the secondary. It is those corners. Um, so I do think that Wilson is in line for, for a top three quarterback day on Sunday. Um, I think the price it price uh, kind of makes it seem like he he'll be probably the highest owned quarterback at least among these uh, upper echelon guys, but uh, it should work out well. I, I'd be surprised if he goes for you know less than twenty points. All right, let's talk about the other guy on the side of this game, Carson Wentz, who's two hundred dollars less at eight K. Now we know Seattle is a very tough place to play. However, we know this is not the normal Seattle defense. Yeah, we know there's a ton of injuries on that secondary and elsewhere as well. Uh, do you think Will, Wentz is actually the the pivot off of Wilson. You know, there's two ways to look at this, is that Wilson's going to be running all over the place and maybe get some extra rushing yards and maybe that enters into it. Or, you know, maybe the, all the forcing him out might lead to, you know, potential turnovers. And, you know, we all know that there's more volatility then. Is Wentz the safer of the two? I would say no. I, okay. I think that I think that Wilson has a longer track record, obviously. And then you know, for two hundred dollars more, being at being the home side of this, I know what you're saying with Seattle being banged up in the secondary. Uh, that so this isn't nearly as daunting as a matchup as it as it would have been, you know, to begin the season. I still think Wentz is definitely a viable play here, but I prefer Wilson. Um, and then if you're going to pivot lower than Wilson, um, I want to hear your thoughts. I'm still trying to wrap my head around how I'm approaching this, but same price as Carson Wentz, Phillip Rivers at 8000 because he he absolutely shredded uh, the Cowboys on Thanksgiving, and he gets a matchup at home against the Browns, who are just terrible against the pass. So is was last week a mirage, or do you think he's gonna he's gonna you know actually live up to what people are expecting this week? You see, if we lived in a regular place, I would say yes, Phillip Rivers would be a good investment, chalk or not. <clears throat> but because we live in the upside down. Uh, this one scares the hell out of me. I'll be honest with you. It scares <laughs> the ever-loving hell out of me at AK against the Browns because it looks like a, a possibility for him to repeat. And and let's be frank, too. Phillip Rivers, although that last game was great, up until then, we're talking about a guy who's averaging somewhere around 15 points. Now, that's fine, but for AK, eh, it's kind of on the on the borderline there. And I think you've got other possibilities. We know how good golf has been at 79. I mean, McCown played pretty well last week, but – I'm going to go down again to my well of Case Keenum. And I'm going to go. keep going down to this well of Case Keenum. The Falcons had a bunch of injuries coming out of that game last week. And Keenum's a guy, for me, 
that's going to, I think, put up relatively close position points to Phillip Rivers, but he's going to save you 400 bucks, and I could really use that 400 bucks this week. So my answer to Phillip Rivers is I don't see the need when even on the other side of that game too, potentially Matt Ryan, Case Keenum. Now if you're feeling strong, maybe a Mariota, but I don't know if I'm feeling that strong yet. No, I, I can't uh, do it. He, hasn't, he doesn't have a single 20-point outing this year. All right, let's talk about Jameis Winston, who's back again. Now, he's 7,300. I thought he might even be a little cheaper than this. He's going against uh, Joe Bartle's Green Bay Packers. Uh, I, I don't know if you know this, but he actually owns part of the team, so that's why I say Joe Bartle's Packers. Uh, <laughs> that's right. No, yeah, Everyone in Wisconsin actually has a say right. in what they do. That's right. They absolutely do. And everyone in Wisconsin is actually also 5% made of cheese. Uh, Jameis Winston. That's definitely true. <laughs> sorry, Wisconsin. I, I'm, it's a joke. Don't uh, – <laughs> Don't at me on Twitter, I'm the one that's going to get punched in the face over this. That's true. You might be, but that's all right. You just put some cold cheese on it. The swelling will go down. Uh, Oh, yeah. Just put a nice, uh, nice sharp cheddar on there. You know, it's uh, just got to keep it down, you know. Uh, James Winston (laughs) at Green Bay. Any love for him at 73 or uh, because of the reverse strategy of why not just go back up and pay a little bit more for Ryan or Keenum for two or three hundred dollars? You know, this is a relatively cheap price, but Winston, you know, pre-injury wasn't doing all that well this year. So it's going to be cold up at, up in Lambeau. That's that's you know a lot for a warm weather quarterback. I just don't. I don't really have a whole lot of faith in Winston this week or or kind of the rest of the season. To be honest with you, um, what one other guy that I want to talk about it, you know, more expensive back up towards the top of the board. What are your thoughts on Cam Newton going into New Orleans if New Orleans is missing those two cornerbacks like they were a week ago? Well, you know, it's funny. At this point with Newton, I'm more concerned with how healthy his legs are than how healthy any secondary he faces are. You know what I mean? I think I think mm-hmm. the reason we've seen the boon in Cam Newton's value is because you look at the rushing yards going back up, 71, 50, 44, 86, 95. Now, last week it wasn't as much, but he did have the rushing touchdown. And he's also got three rushing touchdowns over his last seven games. So – that to me is where that win goes. Honestly, for 8K, I don't, I don't love it. I don't okay. love it when the other guys like Wentz and Wilson are in the same neighborhood and they are right there. So it's, it's splitting the difference there. It's really not going to be too much of a, a different play. Uh, I do want to talk about two more quarterbacks that are cheap. Uh, okay. One is Blaine Gabbert, also known in the podcast as Gabbert, and Jimmy Garoppolo, who's going to make his uh, first start of the year. Now, both of these guys are very cheap. We know that. Uh, 6,300 for Garoppolo. Let's start with him. And now Chicago is, I'd say, a plucky defense, uh, you know, a pretty yes. decent squad. Is there any tournament appeal for you for Garoppolo that he can go for, I don't know, 15 points or something like that as a tournament play and allow you to pay up other spots? You know, I do, I do think so. I, I haven't run through a lineup yet where, where I use a, a super cheap quarterback, but uh, that would really open things up at 63, you know, compared to what I'm tending to lean towards with, with Wilson. So 2000 less, there's a lot you can do with that. Um, and, you know, going against Chicago, it, it's, it is going to be a little bit tough, but I think it, I think it's still a, an easier matchup than what, what uh, Gabbard is facing it going against the Rams and their secondary. Um, so I think Garoppolo, he's worth a dart. I mean, he, he showed, you know, in that limited sample last week that, that he, you know, he, he has a, slight grasp of this offense and he's talented he's a talented guy I mean you know about that from from his New England days uh so I think he'll be a fine uh, tournament play I think he can get you that the like 12 points or so now here's Blaine Gabbert who 
you know, he, the two starts he's had is at Houston, then at home against Jacksonville, which is not easy. Now, he's averaging 20 fantasy points uh, over those two games, which is terrific. I mean, we're talking that's four times value from his current salary if he can hit that range again. Mm-hmm. The trouble I have is the turnovers because he's also got six turnovers in that time, three interceptions and three fumbles. That's not good. That's not what we want. You got to protect the football, son. Now, I want to give him a pass because the nature of the two defenses he faced were, you know, on the tougher level, especially the Houston pass rush. And we know how good Jacksonville is in the secondary. But still, you know, I feel like there's some kind of appeal for Gabbert where if you like Garoppolo, the Gabbert actually has a higher floor. I don't know if you agree with that, but that's kind of what I'm feeling. If I'm going to take a torment dart throw low end quarterback, I actually think Blaine Gabbert in this one against the Rams. And if you figure the Rams are playing up uh, you know, are leading in this game, that means even more work for Gabbert considering that running game is, you know, practically non-existent right now. Right. Uh, no, that's a really good point. It, 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 you know, the game is going to be in Gabbert's hands from, from that uh, respect. Uh, so that, that's, an, that's an interesting point. I, I never thought that either of us would be talking ourselves into, into Blaine Gabbert this late in any season, but uh, here we are. Well, this he's is- not Blaine Gabbert anymore, John. He's Blaine Gabbert mm-hmm. because he's yes. played much better since we started calling him that. So it's a good yeah. point. It's like Patrick Waugh. You know, why don't you start adding a little bit more Frenchy, Canadianish kind of thing going on there? It's it's all it's much better. It's much better. It's science, right. yeah, it's, it's science. It's <laughs> all right. Let's go with the running backs. Todd Gurley, eighty-eight hundred, been very steady. Leonard Fournette at eighty-seven at home against Jacksonville. Alvin Kamara at eighty-five. Now these are the top three backs on the board. You know, Fournette with the ankle. Uh, you know, the last couple of weeks the production has been way down. We're used to Fournette being somewhere in the eighteen to twenty range or more. And the last three weeks, he's been somewhere, you know, around 10 when you average it out, which mm-hmm. is not terrific. But Kamara is the guy that, you know, seems to be matchup proof, seems to be just an, an integral part of the offense. And right now, I have a hard time not making a lineup that's got Kamara in it. Yeah, I mean, he's sort of everyone's fantasy darling that, uh, this year. He's been absolutely unbelievable. I think even right now, he's like as good or better than what like Kareem Hunt was doing earlier in the season. And I think with Kamara, it's more sustainable because he, you know, he's so versatile as both a pass catcher and as a runner. And he's got just like ridiculous shake in the open field. So uh, yeah, he's about as exciting of a player, young uh, running back in the, that we have in the league right now. So I like him a lot this week. I know the ownership is going to be high on him. Um, and I know this is a pretty tough Carolina run defense, especially when you got Keekly involved. Um, but Kamara can hurt a defense in so many different ways that 8,500, uh, I think he, he's still worth it. It's funny because a couple weeks ago, maybe around a month ago, we were having discussion. Kamara, you know, the better option because he's 7,500 and Mark Ingram's 8K. So give me the guy who's catching the ball for $500 less. I'll tell you what, I'll still pay the premium for the guy catching the ball at $500 more because here we are in December, and those situations have reversed. We've got Melvin Gordon going against the Cleveland Browns. Uh, there's a tricky one where, uh, you know, I don't know what to make of Melvin Gordon. There were a couple weeks there where we were on him, and it worked, and then we kind of left him for dead, and we kind of did it at the right time because it's been brutal since. I mean, we were on him in those back-to-back 31-point games, and then after that, we were on him again in New England. So we were right every time on Gordon. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to go down this well again. I don't have a good feeling here. Uh, I know script would dictate, well, a little bit more Melvin Gordon, trying to just kind of hang on to that lead. But I don't love him. I don't love Jordan Howard, although I understand at 75 the value of Jordan Howard. Uh, is there anybody else in the 75 and up range with McCoy and with some of these other characters here that 
you feel good about if you're not going Kamara and you're not going all the way to the top? Uh, I think that you bring up an interesting point uh, on Gordon, especially, and I just wanted to underline that quick. Could we, We've said throughout the show that this year that, that Cleveland sneakily has a good run defense. It's up to number two in football outsiders' de- mm-hmm. defensive DOA. So, I mean, that's not just like a, a plucky good unit. That's like a seriously good run defense that, that Gordon's going to be going against. And Gordon's done less against lesser competition. So, I am fully off of Melvin Gordon this week. Um, I, I just wanted to get your opinion on the top two guys, I, I guess, um, because Kamara seems like a fair place to kind of stop yourself uh, in terms of your, your spending. Um, but do you think that, that Fournette, with the recent history of, of the weak games and the sort of admission that, that his ankle is going to be an issue throughout the rest of the season, is that something where his ownership is going to be driven down and you, you make a Fournette lineup to, just kind of like hedging against the crowd? If you're doing multi-entry, I can understand it, but I think the injury is enough where I actually don't like it that much. You know, if you okay. want to do one Fournette lineup, I can understand like one with Kamara and then one with Fournette. That makes sense. Or do a multi-entry to kind of cover your basis. But I don't know if I would – I wouldn't be very optimistic of that lineup because if that lineup with Fournette busts out at 87, that's a significant hit that you're going to it's take huge. across the board. And I think that's kind of the problem I'm having. And going back to the Cleveland Browns defense for a second too, do you remember when I said how good the Cleveland Browns defense was going to be week one and people laughed at me? just want to point that I out. You. <laughs> you laughed. Everybody laughed. I said this, this defense is going to be better and they're going to get better you know, as time goes on. And uh, they are. I mean, if they had Josh McCown playing quarterback for them right now, I say they'd have three wins. Yeah, absolutely. I think they're a three-win team. You know, they're really not that bad outside of the quarterback play. And I do have, you know, long-term hope in, in Kaiser. I don't know if he's going to be long-term plans for them. I think that they'll probably go get a first round quarterback this year, but I think Kaiser, you know, down the line could be decent. All right. Now, you know who the tournament play at running back. I do like this week. And I know this is dangerous too, but you want to talk ownership. You want to talk people disenfranchised, but here's a, the opposite of Fournette where the prices hit rock bottom. 6,900 Kareem Hunt. Lock it up, baby. <laughs> Sign me up. I want a Kareem Hunt lineup. He's going against the Jets. It's still the Jets, okay? You know, they're the 26th ranked rush defense. At a certain point, even Andy Reid has got to go, all right, all right, all right. I got to get him the ball more. I got it. Because it's just not going well. <laughs> just, things are not going well there at all. Now, I'm not saying he could be outstanding, but I think he can get back to at least that two times value if you're looking for a lineup saver. Uh, Coleman and Freeman. Now, Freeman's back and healthy. I don't yeah. know what to make of it either. I feel like it's one of those spots where you might have to play both of them, but I don't want to do that, so I'm just going to avoid it altogether. How about you? Yeah, that that's one that that I'm not touching, but there is another, you know, kind of muddied running back situation that I do like a, a fair bit more, and it's it's matchup based, and it's on the other side of that game. It, mm-hmm. Latavius Murray or Jarek McKinnon, uh, you know, we're talking about a team that that last week doled out 34 total touches to to its running backs between Murray and McKinnon. Uh, Murray was uh, seeing the bulk of those uh, with 20, and going against Atlanta, their run defense ranks dead last, according to DVOA's metrics. So I think Minnesota's going to be able to run the ball really well against Atlanta, and I think either one of them will be fine, and the price price differential you know, isn't so great. So I think at 6,500, I'm probably giving the lean to Murray, but McKinnon more explosive player too. So, I mean, he, he might have less touches, but he could do more with them. So I think either of those guys are, are worth a play. And I, I think your guy, Deion Lewis, as well, uh, at 6,300 going against Buffalo. I uh, did some looking uh, yesterday. 
he's the only Patriots running back to scratch uh, 40% of the carries, uh, it, you know, since week seven, I believe. So, mm-hmm. yeah. You know, so if there is one guy getting more work than, than the rest of them out as a runner, it is Lewis. And Lewis paid off really nicely last week. I thought he was a sneakily good play. Um, so I, th- I think if you go Murray, Lewis, or McKinnon, I, I couldn't argue against you. No, and I'll tell you what, I love the Latavius Murray call. He's already in most of my lineups at 65 um, because of the, the volume, you know, the amount of carries he's getting. Yeah, here you go. We're starting back on, let's see, October 22nd here. Uh, 18 carries, then 19, 17, 15, 20. You know, he's not getting a lot of work in the passing game. That's fine. That's not his bag. But he's getting the touchdowns, too. He's got touchdowns in all but two of the games that I just uh, rattled. Actually, all but one of the games I just rattled off. And he's got multiple touchdowns in one of them. Uh, You know, McKinnon's a guy that normally we would be targeting for sure against the Falcons because of those kind of backs that really screw them, who, you know, they can't stop the back, who can catch the ball in the backfield. So, right. I like him as a flex play on a full point PPR okay. site. That's you. how I would play McKinnon. But on the FanDuel side where you're really – where the half point PPR and the touchdown is so crucial, I think I lean towards um, Murray. But it wouldn't shock me if they were both usable and in the same lineup you could do that. Starting to look like a little Minnesota stack day, I'm telling you right now. Um, Some hot dish. Yeah. Now, you mentioned Lewis. Let's talk about Rex Burkhead at Buffalo. Uh, now, I- I'm – I mean, at a certain point, we got to also recognize that on a full point PPR, Burkhead is a useful flex play as well. Yeah. I mean, no, he's no, just no. a part of that offense now. For sure. Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, are you going with Lewis, uh, you know, just based on the floor there? Or do you think Burkhead on, on FanDuel um, is someone that you're going to go for because of the low ownership? Well, I think Lewis is still the safer play. Uh, and I think Burkhead's ceiling is about what Lewis's expectation is. So okay. I think that's just a matter of, you know, if it was an enormous amount of savings, okay, I can understand it. But, you know, you can even go down this board too if you want to, you know, fade all these guys that we're talking about and go for somebody I don't think anybody's on. How about Duke Johnson at 57? You know, there's another guy too. You want to talk about targets, seven, five, six, six, five. I mean, he is, he's rushing the ball too. He's, he is catching the ball in the backfield. Uh, I could see Duke Johnson doing, you know, a fair amount of work in this game, and I think he can be a two-times value guy as well. Also, Jamal Williams is a guy we got to talk about. 57 at home against Tampa. I know with Montgomery and, and Lewis, all these questions going on about how things are going to work down the road. Just trying to get out of this game. I know he's coming off a huge game. I know the carry volume was big, and it's been pretty good for him, 2018-21. Do you think Williams and this Packer offense has new life after almost beating the Steelers? It, you know, I think whether whether that's true for down down the road or not, I think a Tampa Bay defense is going to you know continue that trend for at least this week. I think Tampa Bay's defense is about as sorry as there is in the NFL right now. So if if it comes down and you know Montgomery and Aaron Jones are both out again Sunday, then Jamal Williams is definitely someone that that I'm going to be targeting at 5700 because it's clear that the Packers do not trust Devontae Mays whatsoever after he fumbled on his first carry uh, of his career. They they're going to try to ride out with Williams. Um so, so again, check the injury report Sunday morning, but if it if it is the case that Montgomery and Jones are out, Williams is a really, really nice play, in my opinion. Yeah, keep that in mind. 5,700, it's going to be highly owned, but just understand that as you go through. All right, let's talk about the wide receivers. Julio Jones, what a shock. He's you know dealing with an ankle issue. Uh, coming off of just an enormous game. Um, look, at a certain point now, it's okay, he's got Rhodes this week, but Rhodes 
had some issues with Jones. I think this is a tougher matchup for Julio. I still think Julio is viable. I don't if he was ninety if he was nine point two or something like that, I'd say, oh no. Eighty six, I think it's still viable. You can still roll with it. It just shows you how important it is to get Julio Jones the ball in that offense. But uh, I don't know. I think if you're playing Julio Jones this week, you're kind of wishing you had played him last week. Does that make sense? Like you're kind of yeah, like retroactively playing. Yeah. Sure. And, and because rest of there's a lot of single point games in there too. And that's another one like Fournette at that price, a single point performance ruins your day. Oh, yeah, no kidding. Yeah. 8,600. That, that would be absolutely crushing. And, and, you know, for how good Julio was last week, um, you know, this is a much, much tougher uh, defense that he's going to be facing, particularly in the secondary. So I, I think 8,600, it is risky. I think I'm going to try to pay more, uh, for my uh, for my running backs and my quarterback this week, and try to find uh, more value at the re- at the receiver position. Well, the three guys after Julio, Keenan Allen coming off two monstrous games. Uh, he's got Cleveland in this one, so there's no reason to think another target monster that he can't uh, deliver. Now the difference is, you know, we're talking. I mean, you got to go way back to was it week one where Keenan Allen scored a touchdown. Now he's got three in his last two games. So. I don't know what to make of this at this point. <laughs> I mean, I want Keenan Allen to yeah, succeed. I was, but... I was burned by him so many times throughout oh, the yeah. year. And he's going to be chalky. That pairing with him and River is going to be incredibly chalky. Then you got Thielen, who I love at 78, and Hopkins in between. I'll tell you what. I think Allen is so chalky that I'm going to prefer to stay with Hopkins and Thielen instead. I, I can get behind that. I think both of those guys have proven, uh, regardless of what's going on around them, that they're still going to be able to produce. And, and Thielen, you know, even more so going against a, a pretty bad Atlanta secondary, in my opinion. Uh, and, you know, he's got digs to, to kind of take the pressure off him on the other side. So I, I think this sets up really, really well for, for Adam Thielen. I, I think Hopkins is a more talented player. Uh, he's probably, you know, the second most talented uh, receiver on, on this uh, particular slate with Antonio Brown being off until Monday. Um, but I'll probably go with the Thielen, uh, Thielen route as well. Yeah, Thielen and Hopkins, those are the guys. And look, it's not it's very easy if you go to a Case Keenum at quarterback and Lat Murray to put Thielen and Hopkins and guys like that together in the same lineup. It's it's quite simple actually. Uh, mm-hmm. Doug Baldwin, disappointing week, but uh, you know he's still in play this week. Brandon Cooks, I want to talk about because this is a guy with all the big Julio Jones games and all the other stuff going on. He's kind of flown under the radar lately, and over the last two weeks, it seems like him and Brady are really starting to vibe together. He's got six catches in each of those games, got a touchdown in each of those games, 80-plus yards. In fact, two weeks ago against Oakland, he was brilliant. Cooks at 76 is an intriguing, I think, fade from this top group if you don't want to go Thielen, that I think against Buffalo, you could see uh, Cooks going by some of those guys as well. I like that more than, like, you know, if you're staring at at this tier – and you got Michael Thomas at home. I think your initial like gut reaction is to go Thomas because he's the number one wide receiver for New Orleans. But I don't know, man. He he's been a little bit disappointing, and I don't know if you saw the play uh, to him on on the outside near the goal line uh, last week. But he just kind of he got a, he got the ball inside the five and just kind of willingly got got tackled without a whole lot of effort trying to get into the end zone. And uh, you know, as a fantasy owner I'm like oh my god like you got to give me a little bit more than that so I'm frustrated with him in that respect and I do like what Cooks has been doing of late and you know even before uh, the recent uh, super outbreak uh, he did have 11 targets in that game before against Denver so I mean he is getting a ton of looks from Tom Brady going against Buffalo's secondary that's not all that good um, I think that, that Cooks is a really nice call as well all right, uh, Alshon Jeffrey, another guy who's, you know, 
He's got a touchdown in his last four games. He's got five over that period. Uh, he seems to, and a lot of people were questioning that relationship as well. That seems to take a time. Where's Alshon Jeffrey in this offense? Well, the answer the last six weeks has been there he is, and he's been all over it. And I'll tell you what, if you're going to play a Wentz lineup, I think Jeffrey is the guy to pair up at 73. That's a terrific value there. Uh, and I think he needs – I would not touch anybody – I would not touch Evans, even though he's incredibly discounted. Fitzgerald, I think, is, you know, okay play. I think a better on the full PPR kind of spot. But to me, Alshon Jeffrey and Robbie Anderson, those are the two guys where if you're looking at a save, there's the savings. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, so I really do like Robbie Anderson. I probably like him in a vacuum even more uh, than I do like Alshon this week, honestly. He's got a home matchup against a Chiefs team that has really, really hit the skids. And <clears throat> we saw what Robbie Anderson was able to do last week. Um, I think you know any snap that he's not uh, covered up by Marcus Peters is a time where he should be getting the ball. Um, and I think that you know if the Jets have a brain, then they'll they'll try to scheme it to where that happens a fair bit. Uh, so I do like Anderson even more than Jeffrey this week, even though he's a little bit uh, cheaper. All right, let's go down to some of the other guys who are lesser priced. Marvin Jones coming up a huge game, but that Baltimore defense is for real. So I'm not loving that matchup necessarily. It's uh, this is not season long. This is DFS. You got Tyree Kill, who I think could give the Jets some problems, but again. That's one of those tournament-only kind of plays. But the guy I want to highlight here is Devontae Adams, another guy flying under the radar with Tampa in town. And we didn't talk about Hundley because I don't want to go nuts about one game. But sure, uh, Devontae Adams I do want to go nuts about because we're talking about 16 or more points three straight weeks. And, and that's not with always having a touchdown. That's with solid target volume. He's, had, he's averaging nine targets over his last four games. To me, Devontae Adams at 65 might be the best value of the week. Yeah, he was the first receiver I plugged into my lineup. I, I'm trying to figure everything else out. But uh, Adams, uh, at that price point, uh, with what he's been able to do with Hundley, uh, has really been remarkable. Um, and he, you know, he showed it last week uh, against Pittsburgh. He just absolutely embarrassed uh, Artie Burns for a touchdown and uh, you know a couple other uh, big plays. So I think that he's a guy at 6,500 going against a Tampa defense that I've been ragging on throughout the show. They are they're 30th against uh, the pass in terms of DVOA. So I mean, they're going to get shredded even though it is Hunley uh, back under center. Uh, so Adams, obviously he's supplanted um, Jordy as an as a number one receiver for Green Bay. This is this is one where you're getting a top wide out with a really really soft matchup for for you know pretty bargain price here. So I don't see how you can go away from him. Marquise Lee, I love too, on the bounce back after a down week. Look, look, you know, last week we know the matchup was really tough for him against Peterson, but up until then we're talking about double digit target volume. We're talking about him scoring touchdowns, and now we're talking about him going against the Colts. I know Bortles sucks, but I don't care. Marquise Lee can absolutely do enough at 6K to return investment. Some people will be on Corey Davis, and it's not Corey Davis's fault. It's Mariota's fault. I mean, the guy's getting open. He's just not throwing him the football for whatever reason. Right. I don't know what that situation is, but until I see it, I have a hard time buying into it. And then the question of the week, Josh Gordon. Everybody's excited, oh Josh God. Gordon. And it's a good story. I'm rooting for the kid. I, I, I want him to succeed. He's 5,800. I mean, I just don't get this. I, I don't get why anybody would want to go in with a guy. Just to give you perspective, I did a little work on this. These are um, some of the things. The last time Josh Gordon had a good fantasy season, these are some of the things that were going on. Uh, so we got to go way back to 2013. So uh, Paula Dean still had a cooking show. 
uh, before it turned out that she was a horrible racist. Um, <laughs> we also had, uh, let's see, the Harlem Shuffle was a thing. Remember the Harlem Shuffle? That was kind of like some wacky yeah, thing. I don't Harlem know. Shake. Sir. Harlem Shake. I'm sorry, the Harlem Shake. The Harlem <laughs> Shuffle was that, uh, see now I'm old. Yeah, that was a Mick Jagger song. <laughs> oh, no. The Harlem Shake. And also Colin Kaepernick was playing quarterback in the Super Bowl. So there's your perspective, kids, about last time Josh Gordon was relevant. Don't go down this road. What's your yeah. expected ownership percentage in the million-dollar contest of Josh Gordon? Because you know it's going to be like – I'm guessing tw- – I'm going to give the over-under at 12-and-a-half. Where do you want to go? I, I was up a little bit higher. I, yeah, higher I, was, take the over? I was too high. I was like 17, which, which is apropos, I suppose, for, for this uh, topic. But, uh, yeah, I was saying like closer to 15 or so. Um, I think that enough people are going to be wanting that dart, just like chasing <laughs> chasing that dragon from 2013. Uh, I like I'd I'd be fine with pivoting to to Corey Coleman, but at the same time, like how much do you really want to, or how much exposure to the Cleveland offense do you want going against a well rested and really ferocious uh, Chargers defense? I, I just I probably don't want any part of it, to be honest with you. And Although, that's why I like Duke so much. Duke Johnson call. And that's why I like Duke so much because mm. if that pass rush is coming, the first thing you do is going to look for Duke Johnson and dump the ball off. You know, to me, that's just football one-on-one. So there, there's real opportunity for Duke this week. All right, let's go over to the tight end position. Rob Gronkowski, 8,100. Last week we talked about if there's a seven in front of Gronk's name, you start him no matter what, uh, if you can afford to put him in your lineup the way you like it. And uh, it was the right call, 22 points there. Hooray. Uh, his salary is still pretty low. 81, I think, is a good price for him against Buffalo. It's not going to break your lineup. Zach Ertz at 75. You know, I'm always confident in Zach Ertz. What's he had one? Does he have one game that wasn't in double digits, right, all year? One game. Yeah, he's one. been unbelievably remarkable – or uh, consistent, sorry. Yeah, no, both. Been... Remarkable and consistent. Yeah. That would be uh, – what would that be? Remarcissant? Marcitant? <laughs> We're working on it. We'll, we'll workshop it. Cons- consistible? <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag consistible. Uh, <laughs> Travis Kelsey at 7K against the Jets. That's in play. But Evan Ingram is not. Okay? No. Evan Ingram is not in play. Uh, there's nothing you can do. Um, I just can't get involved because Geno Smith is playing this week. And you want to talk about turnover machines? Yeah, good Lord. <laughs> good Lord, indeed. I'll tell you, I live in the New York area, and they are, they are livid. You know, these Giant fans, they, there are people caught up. They're, they're canceling their season tickets. They're doing oh, my gosh. They're doing all these things. They've had it because they've seen Geno Smith because they live in New York. So yeah. they already know. It's not like they can get away with it. You know what I mean? It's not like, fooling anyone. It's like, wait a minute, wait a minute. You're not going to play the kid, but you're going to play Geno. And look, if that's the case, don't you think they should have had Webb ready to start this week if they were going to make this change or tell Eli, look, this week in practice, we're going to give Webb a lot more activity or whatever first team reps or, or what have you. So in two weeks time, and I think Eli would have understood that, but the fact that they did how they did it and then had the nerve to go out there and say, they want to see what Geno Smith is. I mean, John, how do you do that? Yeah. Yeah. There's no sort of logic you can apply to this. And I don't know whose call this was, whether it's McAdoo or the GM or even the owner, uh, but either way you slice it, it looks terrible. And, you know, to, to do that to your – to is, is he the best quarterback in Giants history? Uh, I don't know. It dep- well, Y.A. Tittle just died, so I don't know if he'll argue. But um, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it's Phil Sims. It's him. You know, he, he probably is. I mean, he's the only two-time Super Bowl winning Giants quarterback. 
Right. So maybe, you know, you argue like the most important. So it's just crazy what what the Giants uh, did with that. I mean, it doesn't surprise me that that they would do something moronic, but it it is surprising that they they went to this level and and went the Geno Smith route when they're already doing something stupid already. Yeah, I agree. All right, Jimmy Graham, 6,700. I think he's a lock to score a touchdown this week, and I think he's actually a better pairing than Baldwin right now. Baldwin's had a little fluctuation. I think I'd rather have Graham. I think that's a safer cash game option if you're going to go with Wilson. Delaney Walker, we were on last week. We said he was the best value at tight end for the price. And guess what? He was the best value at the price, especially with Matthews out. Um, So if Matthews out again, then Walker is the guy that you want also in that offense. Kyle Rudolph's starting to uh, show up. I guess, you know, once we turn into the holidays – you know, Rudolph starts to get... Uh, he's got some, know, like, Santa qualities to him. I, he I can does. see it. He does. He's, he's kind of... He's an interesting player profile pick, too. You know, <laughs> he kind of looks like if Chris Pratt, you know, kind of let himself go or it's kind of weird... You know, like he, he's like the guy who dresses up as the Guardians of the Galaxy thing. And is, is <laughs> Chris Halloween Pratt party. started hanging out with Josh Hamilton's friends. <laughs> yep, there it is. You nailed it. That's exactly. You know, you could hear everybody listening to the podcast going over to look at Kyle Rudolph's photo. To see. We should do more of this. You know what we used to do? We used to play a game on my show. Maybe we should bring it back for this for the last couple of weeks. Or maybe around the holidays when the podcast is shorter, we're doing playoffs. Mm-hmm. You used to play Guess Who. Remember the game Guess Who? You know, yeah. With the faces. So, like, but, you know, you kind of play, like, the adult version where, you know, it's like, uh, okay, is your character somebody that you wouldn't want hanging around a school bus stop? <laughs> <laughs> you have to say yes or no or, or you know. Cool enough. Right, exactly. So you say, okay, so it's not this guy, it's not that guy. It's you know, it's like, is it Kyle Rudolph? Yeah. Okay, yeah, we're we're bringing this back. Okay, All right, I'm, we're gonna I'm bring back Fanduel. Guess who? We're gonna bring it back. It's a it's a fun game. It's fun for the whole family, really. If you're looking for something for the holidays, uh, Jack Doyle at fifty seven, Ricky Seals Jones, my man, two back to back weeks of Ricky Seals Jones, and the people will argue and they'll complain. He doesn't play enough snaps. To which I say. He's a tight end. All he's got to do is play the snaps inside the red zone and catch touchdowns. And that's all Ricky Seals Jones does because that's what Ricky Seals Jones is. And I'm going back to this well again, 5,600. Sign me up. And he, he saw, you know, he saw more than uh, like a 100% increase in snaps last week from, from the week before. So, I mean, th- this is trending in the right direction. I'd be shocked if he plays under 30 snaps this week. I, I agree. I think he'll play more snaps, which is even a better thing. Uh, now, our own Joe Bartle here at uh, Rotowire asked us a question. Yeah, this he's is trying a good to figure one. Out, yeah, Jared Cook, who, you know, I mean, you can't trust Jared Cook, but he's against That's the Giants and tight ends. Thing. Oh, it's right. driving me nuts. And my answer is going to be Ricky Seals Jones. but I. <laughs> but, and the other one was Hunter Henry at 54. And this is tricky. I'm going to say if I, ha- if I really had to pick one of these two, I would put Cook because I think the Giants have just – you want to talk about folding up the tents, you want to talk about, you know, a team that's completely unraveled right now, that's a team that's completely unraveled. And now they're going 3,000 miles away to Oakland. <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah, and, and, like, the target funnel is going to be going to Cook because they don't have Amari Cooper or Michael Crabtree this right. week, I don't think. so. Ding, ding, ding. That's the rest yeah. of it for me. That, so I think if you really don't like Ricky Seals-Jones, I think Jared Cook is someone you can get behind. So, yes. But if you don't like Ricky Seals-Jones and reevaluate yourself, he's cool. You really do. He was the bass player for Sexual Chocolate and Coming to America. He was uh, – he's, he's lived quite a life. He really has. He's uh, – <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, he's the Bootsy Collins of our time. Hey, baby. I'm just here <laughs> catching touchdowns and making dreams come true. Hitting pay lines and doing lines. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Over two and a half million players to one cash prize is playing on FanDuel. Take advantage of our special offer for new users. Sign up today at FanDuel.com slash Rotowire, and you'll get a free six-month Rotowire subscription plus a free entry into the NFL Sunday Million, which offers more than $1 million in cash prizes with your first deposit on FanDuel. Just visit FanDuel.com slash Rotowire. Void where prohibited. Oh, <laughs> mic drop. All right, Jacksonville defense against the Colts, 5,600. My God, that's a lot to pay for a defense. Uh, yeah. I love you, Jacksonville, but I don't, I don't think I can get there. Can you get there, 56? No, sir. No. And, like, okay. you know, no, aside, from, aside from the game against Cleveland, uh, you know, that they've been, you know, a, a good but not, like, outrageous the type of defense that you pay five grand for. Well, they uh, had 20 last time they faced the Colts, and I think that's where this price comes from, you okay. know. So it's fair, but I mean, I don't know. I mean, it's tough. It depends on how much you think they're going to turn the ball over. It's really about turnovers here. So I, I just think there's other spots you can go. Uh, the Chargers against Cleveland for three dollars less right off the bat. I mean, I can't imagine how many turnovers Kaiser's going to produce in this game between the pass rush and his interceptions and everything yeah, else. So that one I can understand. Last week, our defense du jour was the Patriots because they've become a turnover machine again lately. And guess what, kids? They were a turnover machine last week and 17 points for them. So at 4,600, I'm loving them this week against Buffalo. I got no fear of Buffalo whatsoever. Uh, who else do you like this week defensively? Where, where would you go uh, either cheap or pay up in your mind? Uh, maybe the Titans at home may make a little bit of sense. Um, and then if you're, if you're counter to what we were saying or what I was saying about Garoppolo earlier, maybe the bears, uh, come into play a little bit too, that being at home, uh, facing a West coast team with, with the, you know, maybe a little bit of weather, uh, mixed in there. I think the bears could, you know, potentially, uh, cause some trouble for, for a guy making his first start in over a year. All right. Uh, I, I would, uh, I would agree with that. Absolutely. Um, and again, with defense, remember, you're looking for turnovers. You're looking for uh, opposing weak quarterbacks. Uh, I'll tell you what. I know the Oakland defense doesn't exactly turn over, get a lot of turnovers. But, but Gina, Gino the great Smith, equalizer. the great equalizer in that category. And that being said, let's lead us to the bonus question of the week. Now, last week was who's going to score more points, Blaine Gabbert or Paxton Lynch? I, I somehow talked you into the facts and Lynch and then took Gabbert, which was yeah, just kind of a dick move. Wars. Yeah. yeah, I'm not going to lie. It was kind of a dick move by me. I spent an hour talking about, you know, about Pax and Lynch. They got hurt. And, you know, there's nothing you could do about that. But this week, well, now the score stands eight for me, six for you, and a tie. All right, I got to play some catch up here. Geno Smith turnovers or Evan Ingram receptions. Now, keep in mind, it's turnovers, so fumbles count as well. Sure. Um, gosh, uh, give me, give me Ingram. I know it implies some faith in Geno Smith here, but I think, I think he'll catch the, the three uh, that he'll need. Whereas Geno's only going to have two turnovers. I am okay. I will take Geno Smith. I think Geno can throw two picks, maybe one late in garbage time where he's trying to just chuck the ball and at least a fumble. So I'm, I'm thinking he could get to four, maybe even five. If he fumbles the ball twice, he used to be a fumble machine back when he played for the Jets. That's and true. Evan Ingram all of a sudden can't catch the ball anymore. So for some reason, he's having a lot of trouble catching the actual football. So for whatever reason, I'll take that and we'll see how it goes. Uh, as always, this has been a good time. <laughs> we, uh, we hope you're enjoying the show. And if you have any other questions for us, 
you can hit us up on Twitter at Johnny McKex and at Joe Pizapia 17. So for everybody here at Rotowire, have a great weekend of Daily Fantasy. Woo!